Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Pilot incapacitation is defined as the inability of a pilot to carry out their normal duties during flight due to the effects of physiological factors. This may occur as a result of hypoxia or insufficient oxygenation while at increased altitudes, inhalation of smoke or fumes, GI problems such as severe gastroenteritis, or a medical emergency such as a heart attack, seizure, or stroke. While pilot incapacitation was certainly not unheard of prior to the rollout of these experimental mRNA jabs, it was a rare occurrence. Fast forward to 2023, and although the FAA has not exactly been forthcoming with its data, it isn't difficult to see that there has been an alarming increase in these incidents. And this is a topic that everyone needs to be paying closer attention to. You're listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio, I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. And before we get started today, I do want to encourage our listeners, if you have questions or comments, or perhaps you want to share your own experiences with what you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare, you can submit those to any of the hosts by visiting americaoutloud.com forward slash nurses out loud. From there, you can select the name of the nurse you'd like to direct it to from our drop down menu. We love to hear from you. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in this fight. But until you're able to do that, we will continue to be that voice for you. Josh Yoder, an unapologetic, unvaccinated airline pilot, is the co-founder and president of U.S. Freedom Flyers, an organization formed to stop the illegal vaccine mandates which were imposed on airline employees. With the mandates behind us, his focus has shifted to bringing accountability to the airline industry and finding healthcare solutions for his vaccine-injured colleagues. In addition to flying, Josh's background as an Army veteran and eight-year defense contractor working in global high-threat environments has prepared him to strategically take on this mission with vigor. As seen on Tucker Carlson, Fox & Friends, other high-profile media, and live events across the U.S., Josh has spoken out boldly on behalf of human rights and freedom. He is a passionate advocate for his constituents and has dedicated his life to pursuing justice within the corrupt airline industry. Josh, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kimberly. It's great to be with you. Absolutely. Now, so I've been following your work since 2021. And you had started your organization around the same time that I started Nurse, Free, uh, excuse me, Nurse Freedom Network. And I can remember just being so excited to see anyone speaking out because at that time, there were really so few of us that were doing that. Um, and then I was really glad to finally have the opportunity to meet you recently uh, at the Plandemic 3 premiere out there in Austin, Texas. So big thanks to our mutual friend, Dr. Richard Orso. Grateful to him for introducing us because apparently we were like two ships in the night, right? And despite being in this movement, we were just not connecting for whatever reason. So very glad to have finally had that opportunity. 
Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, amazing to meet you as well and, and really get to connect and understand the work that you're doing. I think it's just so important. You know, right now we have um, obviously so many people that are suffering from vaccine injuries um, and it's causing a considerable amount of trauma. And I believe that, you know, we need to find solutions and we need to do so quickly or else we're going to see catastrophic effects going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people are talking about the problem. Now, we've identified the problem a million times over, and it's really time to start focusing on solutions. So I definitely agree with that. Um, but before we kind of delve into all of that, I just if you would just tell me a little bit about your background, um, what inspired you to become a pilot? And, you know, what is this something that you've always aspired to? Yeah, I've always wanted to be a pilot, you know, since I was a kid. Um, it took me quite a few years to get there. I you know, first went into the military. I was a flight medic in the Army. And then I proceeded to work for the in the defense industry for about another eight years. I'm spending time in Africa and obviously Iraq, Afghanistan. I was in Africa for two years as a bush pilot and came back to the U.S., became an airline pilot. And it was that background of being overseas, seeing tyranny for what it truly is, um, especially in Africa and places like Afghanistan, that's something that I knew we could never allow to happen here. And I've, I've something I've been following, you know, for years. Just this uh, seems like this encroachment on our rights that's really been happening at an accelerated pace. You know, post 9/11 and the Patriot Act, U.S. Freedom Flyers was started with a simple conversation. And another pilot friend of mine, we were both on a trip um, in our hotel rooms. We were discussing, you know, what we saw happening with COVID and the vaccines rolling out. And we were anticipating a federal vaccine mandate. And we were also sure that the airlines would fall into lockstep with the government and mandate it for us. Um, at that time, I knew for sure I wouldn't be taking it for a variety of reasons. And um, so, you know, this is how U.S. Freedom Flyers got started. It wasn't it wasn't just me. There was a group of us that came together and the organization has has really grown. It, it grew by leaps and bounds after that federal mandate was announced. Uh, tens of thousands of members just within the first few weeks um, after the after the federal mandate. And we did have a lot of successes there and standing up to the airlines, we were told unequivocally that we would be fired if we didn't take the shot. And we were given a, you know, a hard cutoff date, but it was due to about 20% of the industry standing up against it saying, we're willing to lose our jobs. We're going to walk away. That was a loss, a percentage-based loss. The airlines couldn't afford to, they couldn't afford to, uh, to work with, uh, which led to the acceptance of religious and medical exemptions. Um, during that time period in November of 2021, we did file a lawsuit challenging the federal contractor clause of the vaccine mandate, which is what the airlines were hiding behind is in their compliance to the U.S. government. Um, and then by January, um, they were accepting religious and medical exemptions in large part. And most of us kept our jobs. There were a few companies that did fire employees and there are ongoing lawsuits um, in those situations right now. But as things progressed, you know, we started to see a large increase in the vaccine injuries, which was a concern all the way from the beginning. I had closely been following the work that Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long was doing with the DMED data. We were seeing just incredible increases in disease processes, things like heart attacks and strokes, uh, neurological dysfunction, it, and the list goes on. And it became very apparent um, in, the, in the fall and winter of 2021 that those numbers were also um, applicable to the airline industry. We were starting to see you know, increases in long-term disability claims. I had personal friends who um, they have permanently lost their ability to fly. And during that time, a pilot Cody Flint, which I think most people are probably familiar with, he came out and he started speaking. Um, he had taken the first Pfizer shot in 48 hours. He waited the, the mandatory 48 hours um, that the FAA says you have to wait after getting a shot. 
um, to be able to fly again. And he was flying a crop duster down in the Mississippi Delta. And within minutes of taking off, he developed um, severe tunnel vision. He had had a headache as soon as he got his first Pfizer shot on the side of the road, you know, with no informed consent, he had developed this headache. And 48 hours later, about 50 hours later, he was flying this aircraft. And he actually passed out while he was flying between like two and 300 feet above the ground. He doesn't he doesn't remember landing that airplane. He did land and he landed safely, uh, safely, which was miraculous. He doesn't remember. He doesn't remember any part of that process. And so Cody Flint became vocal and he became such an ally to U.S. freedom flyers. He validated the claims that we were making. You know, many of these pilots who were having issues were unwilling to speak out. Um, Cody was brave. He did speak out and that started a chain reaction. Other pilots started speaking out as well. And by January, February of 2022, it was it was becoming apparent um, that we had a, a significant problem within the airline industry. And unfortunately, that continues um, every week. I'm getting I'm getting phone calls from vaccine injured pilots. And um, like you said in my bio, the, the focus has really shifted uh, to finding solutions for these people um, to try to get their health back. Yeah. And you've been in the aviation uh, industry for a while prior to COVID. Have you, you know, how have you seen the industry change in response to the pandemic? Well, I, I think what shocked me was was how they um, how totalitarian they became and how quickly that happened. Uh, they weren't following the science. They were just following the, the CDC and the FDA and, and basing uh, basing all of their decisions on this faulty science, like wearing masks on an aircraft. Back in 2020, uh, the airlines paid millions of dollars for a peer-reviewed Harvard study. And the findings of that study said that on an airplane, your chance of contracting COVID is 0.003%, well under 1%. And yet they uh, chose to make people wear masks on airplanes. Uh, and we know that's exceptionally unhealthy. Um, aircraft have HEPA filtration systems that air circulated about every two minutes and filtered. Very, very low uh, chance of getting COVID on an aircraft. And yet you saw these um, non-scientific mandates um, that, that were instated. And um, it, it was it was a travesty, you know, and then obviously the vaccines as well with, with no data to back up, you know, the, the safety or the efficacy of, you know, of these toxic shots. Um, they went ahead and pushed those as well. And now they're really feeling the fallout. I mean, what we see with um, staffing issues is just incredible. At American Airlines alone, between January and July of, of 2022, there was a 300% increase in long-term disability claims among pilots. And there's no other reason. They, they can't point to another reason to, to justify that increase. The only thing that's really changed during that time period was the shots. And as we continue forward, I mean, you see that American Airlines just parked, um, I believe it was 150 airplanes over the past month because they don't have staff for them. And I think that the, the, um, the injuries that we're seeing are, are part of the issue. They're not the entire issue, but they are certainly a contributing factor. Right. And what I have found is that, you know, what they're blaming it on is they will not blame it on the shots, but they, they're calling it is, you know, we see these people that go out and they get vaccinated. And then despite the fact that they they got the jab, I'm not going to refer to it as a vaccine. It does not meet the definition, but they get the shot. They contract COVID despite it. And then they people are saying when they develop this myriad of symptoms that they're calling it long COVID. And they're not referring it to what it is actually, which is vaccine injury. I think many of us realize that, but it's it's as if they just attribute it to long COVID and don't even consider the possibility that it could be an adverse reaction to the job itself. So that kind of seems to be their out. 
The, the reason they don't want to, to tie these injuries to the jab itself is because they have criminal and civil liability in what they've done. Let's not forget that it was these mandates were illegal from day one. There's already laws on the books that state very clearly you, you, can't, um, you can't mandate an emergency use authorization product, and yet the government and the airlines went along with it. So it's understandable why they don't want to um, attribute these disease processes to, to the jab. They, they forced their employees in, into taking it. And now they've ruined thousands of lives. And, um, you know, I, I believe the lawsuits that we're going to see in the future are, are going to, um, they're going to be devastating, I believe, for many different industries. Uh, because these employers just went along with the government without truly doing their own research and, and understanding the, the liability position that it was placing them in. Exactly. And I was asking you about the changes in the aviation industry. And I, for myself, I've been in healthcare for 26 years and I watched, you know, just everything, every new policy that would come down was really just in um, direct opposition of everything that we have long known to be true in healthcare and nothing was science based. Absolutely none of it. I mean, they had us wearing N95 masks in our COVID patient room, then wearing our same N95 mask for days on end and going from COVID patient room to non-COVID patient room and things that you know pre-COVID infection control policies would never have allowed for. So from the very beginning, I was asking questions and just not understanding how we got here. And um, to my surprise, not that many other people were asking questions. Everybody was just blindly following along. I think that fear is a big proponent in that. And I think that um, that is, is how they got so many people to comply with these nonsensical, and as you pointed out, rightly so, uh, illegal mandates. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. Um, there were many people that were fear, uh, fearful and, and, you know, the media certainly, I believe, was responsible for that. They were just constantly pushing fear porn on a daily basis, you know, with the uh, with the death toll ticker going at the bottom. And, you know, as we know, many of the people that, you know, they say died from COVID certainly did not die from COVID. Uh, but now that, you know, we're seeing far more deaths with the with the jabs, um, you know, it, it's completely unmentioned in the media. It's, it's alternative shows such as yourself um, who are actually highlighting this issue. And I think it's important that we get this information out to the American people. Uh, people are still are still very much blinded, I believe, um, because you, you have the government pushing this narrative and, and it's um, it, it's truly being destructive. Absolutely. And as you stated earlier, we're, we're seeing a, a, a sharp increase um, in pilot incapacitations. Now, the FAA, as you pointed out to me earlier in our conversation, is really not forthcoming with their data, but it's not difficult to see that there has been an increase in these incidences. I was looking at uh, the Substack, uh, Dr. William Mackis, uh, CHD, uh, was tracking pilot incapacities. And it, it was interesting. So there was uh, one article that I was reading, and it looked like there was a uh, one pilot that uh, had an unexpected death, a British Airways pilot, he died suddenly. And then there were, um, I'm sorry, there were three pilot deaths, seven pilot incapacitations in just one month alone. Yeah, that's correct. I believe that was the month of March that you're referring to. And it's it's something that continues. Um, you know, the FAA was warned about this on December 15th of 2021. U.S. Freedom Flyers working with um, other individuals such as Dr. Peter McCullough, um, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, um, several attorneys. We sent a letter to the FAA um, detailing what was happening with the shots. We included various data in that letter 
um, legal liability. You know, Cody Flint's story was in there as well as other pilots. And that letter went was completely ignored. We know they received it. We sent it via, via courier, uh, via certified mail. Um, so they can't say they didn't receive that letter. And what we were doing is we were making sure they were notified so that when we later come back uh, with litigation, we have something to point to and they can't, they can't feign ignorance at this point. And sure enough, everything that was detailed in that letter did is in fact happening. You know, these sharp increases and in, in especially um, cardiac issues and, and neurologic dysfunction. I think those are the, the two most common um, injuries that I hear about. Um, you know, those are increasing. So Susan Northrup, the federal air surgeon, she's the top doctor at the FAA. Um, you know, I've had multiple conversations, you know, with her via email and, and also text and, and vaccine injured pilots have contacted her and told her their stories. And yet she refuses to acknowledge um, that it's in fact occurring. She made a public statement that no pilots have been harmed or incapacitated uh, by the shots and that there's nothing to see here. There's no issues. Well, in light of that information, U.S. Freedom Flyers has, hundred, has filed hundreds of FOIA requests um, looking for FAA data, but the FAA is not being forthcoming with that information. When we do get FOIAs back, when we get the information back, um, the documentation is often you know, mostly redacted. So they, they don't want this information becoming public. However, what they haven't counted on is the pilots who reach out to U.S. Freedom Flyers individually. And I know of one case in particular where a friend of mine, we used to be bush pilots together in Africa. He developed uh, he developed myocarditis within a few weeks of of getting his first Pfizer shot. Well, he did he did seek treatment. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough was his doctor, and he was able to um, to get into a position where he can now fly again. And the clearance letter that he received from the FAA actually admits that he had vaccine induced myocarditis, and yet the FAA publicly is stating that it's not happening. Right. You know, and what's really concerning, and I feel like anybody um, that has had the jab, I, and I, I'm always encouraging people, especially, particularly for athletes, definitely for, for pilots, uh, anyone who's going to have uh, an increase in adrenaline like that, they should certainly be screened for subclinical myocarditis. They could be completely in, asymptomatic. And this is not something that's always easily detectable on an EKG. Well, that's correct. It actually isn't detectable. Yeah. at all on an EKG. Yeah. And, and what's most concerning is the the uh, medical screening or the lack thereof that airline pilots receive. Uh, we all have to go through what's called a first class uh, medical certificate. And as part of that process, um, there is no cardiac screening for a pilot until the age of 35 years old, at which the only cardiac screening you get is a baseline EKG. Then you don't receive another EKG until the age of 40. Um, and then you get one, you know, one a year after that. And uh, so, so they're not screening for myocarditis. We know that more than 50% of cases are subclinical. And in those subclinical, actually all cases of myocarditis, if left untreated, has a 20% mortality rate within two years and a 50% mortality rate within five years. So we've just passed that two-year mark, and we're seeing the significant up, um, uptick in, in cardiac issues. And what we're pushing for at U.S. Freedom Flyers is that effective screening be done at the FAA to actually, um, you know, detect these cardiac issues. Uh, but they're reluctant to do so. They're not just reluctant, they're refusing to do so. And unfortunately, many of these pilots that have myocarditis or pericarditis, they are um, unsuspecting victims because they're not experiencing symptoms. And that's what makes this particular, you know, particularly dangerous. And, you know, we know that left untreated that, uh, you know, can often result in, in sudden death. That can be the first symptom. And so, you know, it's, it, it's an uphill battle 
uh, fighting the FAA to get them to address this issue, but many pilots are actually taking it into their own hands. Um, U.S. Freedom Flyers has, we've been working with a company called Heart Care Corp. They have a multifunction cardiogram. It's about a 15-minute screening. Um, it can detect myocarditis and pericarditis as well as a myriad of other issues. And we've had a lot of success with that. What we found is about typically on average between 50 and 60% of pilots that we test at the various events um, are showing um, myocarditis and pericarditis. Wow. So it, it, it's highly concerning, but pilots aren't coming forward because they're afraid of losing that flight, that flight physical. So U.S. Freedom Flyers has developed a, a large team of medical professionals who are focused on, on um, treating vaccine injury and um, you know, people like, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough, he's worked closely with us, um, Dr. Thomas E. Levy, another cardiologist. And um, we now have, have a way for these pilots to seek help without without losing their flight medicals. These doctors don't report to the FAA. It's it's up to the pilot to do that, but the treatment is anonymous. And there, there are natural protocols um, that these pilots can take, um, which are, are helping them with their issues. Uh, which also don't ground them. Uh, you know, we have to be very careful about the types of medications we take. We can't, I can't even take like NyQuil or, or um, you know, most allergy medications and go fly due to the drowsiness factor. Um, so we've been working, you know, with these doctors, with these pilots to find real solutions that can help them. Yeah, and it's not surprising to me that the FAA would not want to uh, do a deeper dive into the screening process. I mean, they already don't have enough pilots as it is, can you imagine how many people would be grounded due to the findings of, of this advanced screening? Um, you know, my concern, and I, I'm, I'm sure this is a concern for many people when I'm getting on a flight now, I've never been so concerned. Every time I fly, I um, have a concern, is my pilot vaccinated? Is the co-pilot vaccinated? And I, I'm, I understand it's extremely unlikely that the pilot and the co-pilot would go down at the same time. I mean, but you just never know, right? It's unfortunate that this is something that we have to think about. But I think we had this conversation and there's just not enough pilots out there that are not vaccinated in order to have a vaccinated and unvaccinated on the same flight crew. Is that correct? That's correct. That, that's not a possible scenario. Um, even if even if passengers were, were to demand that, it, it wouldn't be possible. You're looking at about 80% of your pilot uh, population by our best estimation that has been vaccinated. So at this point, I think the solution is one, to do screening. And then um, secondly, we also have to make sure that there's a, a solution to help them. You know, we can get these people back in the flight deck if they are grounded. But I think what we're looking at is, a you know, if we were to do the screening, we're looking at a, a short-term a short-term pain for a long-term gain. Whereas if we don't do the screening and we allow this to continue, let's go back to those numbers of, of myocarditis left untreated, 20% mortality rate in two years and 50% in five years. So if nothing is done about this, I think we're looking at a, at a, um, you know, a significant problem several years down the road, and it will be uh, much more difficult to address than, than addressing it now. Exactly. And the results of this can be, is, is going to be catastrophic. If we've had so many near misses at this point, if we look at um, Captain Bob Snow, uh, wasn't there just an incident as well uh, just this month with another? Uh, I believe there was actually just a few days ago. Uh, for, I forget now which airline that was. It was somewhere over in Europe. Uh, there was another pilot incapacitation. Uh, what we're really concerned about is not so much the, the pilot and co-pilot going down at, at the same time. Um, but if it's the flying pilot that goes into cardiac arrest or something similar during a critical phase of flight, so this is low to the ground on takeoff or landing, 
and the reaction time of the other pilot isn't, you know, if you're within, you know, a hundred feet on landing, you know, first of all, there's a recognition period. Uh, if the other, if the other pilot doesn't recognize it in time, um, and once he does recognize it, then there's the reaction period. Um, and then you're, you know, you're, you're hoping that, uh, that you have a successful outcome there. And I can tell you, I mean, pilots are, pilots are highly trained. They're capable of flying the airplane single pilot. But like I said, it, it depends on the, on the phase of flight, uh, where the incapacitation happens. Um, Captain Bob Snow has been very vocal about this. You know, he said, had it, had it happened to him six minutes earlier, you know, they could have been, you know, hundred feet, you know, you know, from the ground on, on landing and, and the outcome could have been very different. And he's not the only one. Back in November, we had uh, Captain Patrick Ford, who was a captain in training, um, flying an American Eagle flight out of Chicago. And um, within 90 seconds of, of being cleared for takeoff, um, he was he was incapacitated in the left seat, and he he died from from cardiac uh, complications. Uh, very fortunately, the the co-pilot that he was flying with was a senior Czech airman at that company, a uh, very experienced Czech pilot, um, and he did an, he did a, a phenomenal job of bringing the aircraft back around and landing it, you know, without without a hitch. It was it was textbook. Um, but had that been a brand new first officer, someone that you know had just had just finished training, um, you know, maybe throw some other factors in there like bad weather, you know, congested airspace, things like that. I mean, the outcome, you know, it, it, it could have been different. And that's what we've been warning about. And unfortunately, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. And I mean, this is something that, um, again, the FAA has, uh, you know, they, they screen pilots for cardiac disease. Am I correct? Yearly. And uh, the, so these people were not, there was no indication that they had any type of cardiovascular disease. And now suddenly, uh, post jab, we're seeing all of these pilot incapacitations and uh, many of them are related to cardiac events. So it is, uh, does beg the question, does the jab have something to do with this? I think that we all know the answer to that. Well, and the other the other question is, why are we not doing effective screening? The screening that's currently being done for pilots by the FAA or required by the FAA does not detect the, the very disease processes that we're talking about. Exactly. And then to add insult to, test, a biomarker, troponin test could, you know. Absolutely. You know, this doesn't have to be, this doesn't have to be invasive. Like you said, just a, a, a simple troponin T, you know, on, on every pilot that comes through um, would be, that would be a good start in the right direction. It's not, it's not comprehensive, but I think we would, we would certainly find cases that uh, we, we wouldn't be finding uh, with the EKG. What's interesting is that back in October of 2022, um, the FAA made us made a very silent change to their to their cardiac standards um, or, or what's acceptable uh, for an EKG reading uh, for right. as long as long as the EKG has been around. You know, the acceptable parameters were 1.2 milliseconds to 200 milliseconds. And with absolutely no medical justification, they changed the acceptable parameters out to 300 milliseconds. Um, no other cardiac um, organization on the planet has made that same change. And when we've queried the FAA as to why they made these changes, um, they refused to really give us a real answer. They said it's based on new data and new science, and yet they can't produce the science. We've been working with uh, Senator Johnson's office. He's asked the question multiple times, and no one will get back to it. Yeah, you would think that that would be something that would be a credit change across the board um, if that were the case. And I, I do recall seeing that at the PR intervals that they had increased that uh, acceptable range. So that's very interesting, very telling. And, and like you said, they can never seemingly produce the science that they, they claim that um, these decisions are based upon. So it's very interesting to see. 
Um, but definitely want to talk a little bit more um, before we go into break, and we'll touch on this when we come back about, you know, what are some of the strategies that you're using uh, as far as helping these vaccine injured pilots? Because I know that that's something, you know, that we are focusing on with with remnant nursing is we're trying to focus on uh, consultation and care of the vaccine injured because the medical community has certainly all but really abandoned these people. Um, They don't have anybody taking care of them. So um, all of a sudden it's up to organizations like yours to care for the vaccine injured. I mean, really it's up to all of us, right? Um, But it's a shame that the the medical communities aren't stepping up and doing this. Right, and I believe the medical communities aren't aren't stepping up because once again, they have liability. All these doctors who who were pushing these jabs on people, they were telling their patients they were safe and effective. Um, and that was not based on science or any real research. Um, they're now culpable. And I believe we're going to continue to see more of the same, just like the airlines. You know, the, these, these doctors now have liability. And to reverse position now, um, you know, potentially opens them up to lawsuits. And, and I think they're going to continue to cover it up until it, it's, it becomes so obvious um, where the cover up is no longer possible. And I think we're nearing that, that point. Um, this is becoming a common a common conversation, you know, uh, among among average Americans. I, I believe, you know, I don't think we're we're a critical mass yet, but but more and more people are waking up to the fact that they've been harmed. Absolutely, and you know, the, the, I think any provider, any medical provider, any medical doctor, nurse, anyone who used that safe and effective narrative, in my opinion, should be stripped of their licensure and brought up on charges because we had absolutely no way of knowing that. And that's why I resigned from my position as a nurse, because not only did they want me to recommend the vaccination, but they wanted me to tout them as safe and effective, period. And we would have absolutely no way of knowing that. We had no long-term safety data and that short-term data, as we've pointed out, has been alarming to say the very least. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, just as a lay person looking on, you know, it, it's very easy to go look at things like the DMED data and, and see these upward trends of disease processes that started, you know, in the military, January of 2021 to October of 2021, a 10-month period there where we saw, you know, things like 400% increases in, in, in heart attacks. I think it was 1,130-something percent increase in, in neurologic dysfunction. And it's it's apparent. Uh, my my friends, uh, many of my pilot friends, um, are are telling me they're experiencing you know dizzy spells. They they have to sit down like when they're standing up or walking, they'll become so dizzy uh, that they have to sit down in order to avoid uh, passing out. Many of these people are still flying aircraft. They're they're afraid to come forward. You know, it's that it's that loss of flight medical that, that would be so catastrophic for them. And you know that's that's why I believe the work that that you're doing is so important. You know, getting the message out there, uh, bringing real solutions forward. Uh, that that's that's the only way forward here. And I, and in addition to that, there also has to be accountability. Absolutely, I could not agree with you more. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa 24 7. Great talk radio. All of our shows go to podcast the following day. You can hear them on apps such as Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcasts, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. I'll catch you on the other side of this break. Stay with us. It's time and this is. 
The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic-era strains for decades? Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rex nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free, Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear. 
X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Wherever you're listening from today and whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gift of your time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts and videos so we can help secure America's future. Let's jump right back in. If you're just joining us, we've been talking with unapologetic and unvaccinated airline pilot, I'm sorry, I almost called you doctor, (laughs) Josh Yoder. We can make you a doctor. It's okay. What do you think? <laughs> well, you're, probably, doctor, you're, probably, but, uh, you're probably better in, uh, than most of the doctors. I would trust you before I trusted most of these doctors. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting. I'm spending as much time as I do with with many of these physicians who are who are focused on on the issues of the day, which is are the vaccine injuries and long COVID. Uh, I've certainly learned a lot. And, you know, I'm, I'm most excited about the real solutions they've been bringing forward. We've, we've seen lives uh, truly be transformed. Yeah, absolutely. And a little bit on when we were kind of talking during the break. Um, so I understand that you had gone to a, an air show a few months back. Tell me a little bit about that uh, and um, Susan Northrup. Yeah. yeah, this was back at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of April. Uh, it's called the Sun and Fun Air Show down in Lakeland, Florida. And U.S. Freedom Flyers, we were there with some of our partners. We had a booth. Uh, we also had Heart Care Corp next to us. They were doing on-site uh, cardiac testing using a multifunction cardiogram uh, for pilots, and and also Holiday Aviation, um, who sponsored that event for us. Um, it was it was incredible to be there and speak to the the thousands of people that came past our booth. And in the six days that we were there. We had over 50 vaccine injured pilots um, come past the booth and, and tell us their stories. Um, some of them still flying, some of them permanently grounded. Um, and, you know, a number of the industry or injuries were, were absolutely devastating, uh, like muscle wasting disease. Um, you know, people coming past and, you know, with, with walkers and canes um, because they, they couldn't, um, they couldn't uh, maintain their balance. And uh, listening to those stories was heartbreaking. And when they found out that Susan Northrup, the federal air surgeon was there, um, many of them went over over to the FAA hangar where she was, um, and they confronted her uh, because Susan has made these comments and publicly in the media. She stated that you know all the hype about vaccine injuries among pilots um, it's it's all lies that no pilots have been harmed or incapacitated by these vaccines. Uh, but she was directly confronted by by people who were personally uh, affected, and um, 
you know, just once again, the, the FAA doesn't want to admit what's going on, even though the, the evidence is is just so in your face. It's, it's so obvious. It, it can't be covered up. And yet they are covering it up. And I think that's why that, you know, the work that we're doing and, and exposing it and then the work that you're doing and actually and actually treating these folks um, is going to become even more popular as time goes on. Because, you know, we know people like, like Peter McCullough have said they believe it's going to be between the two and five year mark. That's when we're really going to start to see the increase in injuries. And with the data that we're gathering, that's what we're seeing. And we're just past the two year mark now. Yeah, I really think that we've only just kind of scratched the surface and already it's catastrophic if you look at it and like thinking about VAERS and how VAERS is so drastically underreported at about only 1% um, reporting to VAERS and already those numbers are catastrophic and what we're seeing and so many people who are injured that don't even realize that they're injured. Um, we, we just have so many people that aren't connecting the dots for whatever reason. You know, like I said earlier, we touched on how we are blaming it on um, long COVID. And a lot of people just think it's unfortunate that they have received some kind of new diagnosis within the last two years. Think about all of those turbo cancers that we are seeing and much younger and healthier people um, are seemingly being stricken with with things like, um, you know, stage four cancer that comes up just suddenly out of nowhere, already advanced and progressed to stage four. Young, healthy individuals and nobody seems to be connecting these dots. This is a real problem. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be probably decades before we see the full and true ramifications of what they've, what they've done. Because when we think about the pregnant uh, population that received these jabs and how it'll affect uh, the, the children that were in the womb at that time, we don't know how that's, what effect that's gonna have on, um, on fertility, for example. So. I agree. And I just got some interesting information uh, from our partners over in Australia this morning. Um, Aussie Freedom Flyers are reporting that the Civil Aviation Safety Authority in Australia, in Australia um, is showing a 126% increase in something called a multi-crew restricted license. Um, this is meaning that a pilot uh, has a medical issue where they can't fly on their own, even let's say uh, like a private pilot, uh, but they are allowed to fly if they have a safety pilot who, who does in fact uh, pass their flight medical. So there's been 120%, 126% increase um, over the past two years. Um, and those are numbers that, that previously were stable. I believe they went back uh, five to 10 years and those numbers were stable prior to this. So once again, it's, um, it, it's anecdotal um, evidence, but it, it absolutely correlates um, with the numbers that we're seeing in, in DMED and other um, and things like bears. Exactly. And, and things, you know, they will they will label everything that we come at as anecdotal, you know, but these should be certainly serving as safety signals and and they're not, unfortunately. And just not only the the pilot incapacitations that we're seeing and flight crew incapacitations that we're seeing, I can tell you that I was on a flight to Arizona back in February and on this one trip, I saw two. I had one in-flight um, medical emergency with a passenger. Uh, appeared to be cardiac related. And then we had on the same day added in the terminal, there was a medical emergency. I mean, you know, anecdotally, is it due to the jab? It's hard to kind of turn your head and say, probably not. And in my estimation, and I know Peter McCullough has said this many times, you know, it's the jab until proven otherwise. And that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, that, that's right. And also exactly a week ago, there was a private jet that crashed up in the mountains of Virginia. And um, 
you know, and, and there were fighters that were pursuing that jet because it overflew DC airspace. And initially it looked like it was, uh, it could have potentially been a depressurization um, event that, that rendered that, that pilot incapacitated. However, upon further investigation, there's a gentleman by the name of Dan Greider. He has a very popular YouTube channel uh, where he investigates uh, aircraft crashes, you know, why they happened and how we can prevent them. And that YouTube channel, it's called Probable Cause. And he's done two really great shows over the past week on why he believes that was not a rapid depressurization in that aircraft. And he believes that it was a it was a medical incapacitation. Unfortunately, the three passengers that were on board that aircraft, they also lost their lives. Um, what we have been able to confirm is that pilot, um, he did have three shots. Uh, I know people that, that are close to him and they, they did confirm that. Um, so there again, while it's anecdotal, it's the very thing that we've been warning about. Um, especially single pilot, um, single pilot operations. Um, if that pilot does have a, a medical issue, there's no one else there to take over, um, such as in the case of you know larger corporate aircraft and um, and the airlines. And so I think this is something that we're going to continue to see as we move forward. Um, Bruce McRae, the FAA whistleblower, he's pointed out that there has been, I believe, nearly a 300% increase in single pilot fatal um, aircraft accidents uh, starting in 2021. And, you know, all of these numbers, all the numbers align in, in different sectors. And, you know, I'd be curious to, to, to know what you're seeing, um, the data that, that you have access to, um, to see if those numbers also correlate. Yeah, we're going to take a look at that together because honestly, you know, I was starting to see um, evidence of injury early on in this rollout. I would say as far back as probably January of 2021, I was still at the bedside at that time and I was seeing um, an increase. I, I had seen paralysis. I had seen the um, myocarditis quite frequently, um, was seeing GI bleeds in you know, this populations you wouldn't typically see them in, otherwise young and healthy populations. Um, so there were all, blood clots were, were a huge um, factor. So there were so many things that we were seeing and we were seeing them early on. And it's unfortunate to me that more nurses weren't standing up and speaking out. That's why I was so excited when you guys came on the scene. And I can remember the pilots really making a difference as far as those federal mandates and getting those shut down. And I thought, you know, that's amazing that these pilots are doing that, but this should be the nurses. The nurses should have been standing up in large part. The medical community should have been standing up. Um, for our patients and saying absolutely not we could have shut this down early on and and it's it's to me just shameful that it didn't happen for whatever reason because to me there's no other alternative but speaking up and speaking out why why do you think the medical community didn't stand up fear i mean i mean honestly the doctors you know they are all afraid of losing their licenses and, you know, and I've said this many, many times, at, you know, if the only way that I can continue being a nurse is just to completely violate the, you know, the guiding principles of ethical nursing, then, you know, all due respect to the board, they can have my license. Take it. Right. Yeah, I think that's the stand that we have to take. You know, so many pilots were prepared to do that as well. Um, it's, you know, it, it, once you get past that, that initial fear response and begin to think logically, about what you're seeing with your own eyes that that's that's one thing i believe so many people failed to to um to believe what they were seeing mm -hmm. and and the propaganda was so strong it was just it was an overwhelming force that that drove many people into doing something they didn't want to do mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the coercion was real. And, you know, I, people, I can, I get this comment. I'm sure you get this as well, but I get this all the time. Oh, I wish, thank you so much for what you're doing. I wish I could have done it, but I have a mortgage to pay or I have bills to pay or I have a family to feed as if we didn't have any of those things. Um, so it's, it's really maddening for me to continue to hear that. Like we all have, I didn't have the financial provisions to take a stand and do what I did. Many of us who have done this are in the same boat. We're just regular people, right? We're regular people. I'm just a nurse. Um, but to me, the, the alternative was unthinkable. I could not imagine placing a paycheck over human life. I just can't. And, you know, I recognize this for what it was early on. It's medical tyranny. And that was very clear to me from the beginning. And people will complain about these tyrants all day long. And the problem is not the tyrants. It's the people that are complying with the tyrants. That's the issue because the power lies with the people it always has. And people need to start yeah. up and recognizing that. You're absolutely correct. That's the most powerful thing that we ever did at U.S. Free and Flyers was just band together and say no. And if we do that as a society, that's the number one thing that the government is afraid of. We don't need new laws on the books. Uh, we just need to stand together and and be Americans and um, say say no to tyranny. And when we do that, their their entire system collapses. I mean, the same thing's going to happen with you know the central bank digital currency. Um, if, if people refuse to participate, that's something that we can end. But I believe first of all. Most people aren't educate aren't educated on the problems, and if you don't know what the issue is, it's difficult to um, to to form uh, to to form a resistance against it. So I think the the education aspect of what you're doing is incredibly important. Um, and then uh, you know we we need normal people. Everyone has a voice, and that's really the message that I want folks to walk away with is is you can make a difference. I mean, I was just a pilot. I still am just a pilot, um, but I have a voice and I've been using it. You've been using yours as have you know, hundreds of others. And, and it is making a difference. I, I think I do see people, you know, they're, they're becoming more bold. Um, they are speaking out. And I think that's how we effectively end this. Absolutely. And, um, you know, as you stated, they, I think this is their biggest fear is all of us coming together because they are trying to divide us. They have set so many things out to divide us. But, you know, the movement really does transcend political affiliation, um, gender, creed, all of that. When we, we come together, which is exactly what they do not want. But I think we have more in common than we would like to admit sometimes. Um, but, you know, we can talk about political parties all day long. I'm unapologetically conservative, right? Um, but I have stood shoulder to shoulder with many liberals in this fight. So it's been interesting yeah. to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I don't know a single person personally now who's taken the jab who doesn't regret it. Um, it's something that I hear, you know, frequently from, you know, various friends and colleagues. They, they always say, you know, I wish I had known. I wish I'd had more information. Uh, we have people that are, we have pilots that are just finding our organization now. Um, they, they had never heard of us, which, which is shocking to me. Uh, but, you know, they, they're many of them now regretting uh, that they've taken these jabs, even, you know, whether they're having uh, side effects or not. And I think, you know, we know that, that COVID, I believe personally, was a, was a test run um, for, the, for the next pandemic. And I think next time, or at least I hope uh, that more people will have the courage to speak up and that the resistance will be stronger. Yeah, absolutely. I've been saying that for a while. I really feel like, you know, 2020 and COVID was really just a dress rehearsal for what's to come. And they really wanted to just see how many people would comply. And obviously, um, a vast majority of society just really fell in line with what they were doing. My hope is that, you know, and I know for myself, 
the COVID really peeled my eyes wide open to many, many things and the corruption that has you know, been running deep for decades. So I think that the, the captured government agencies, Big Pharma, they've really overplayed their hand, in my opinion. And hopefully uh, that will will come to light here with the next, because you know something else is coming down the pike. You know that they've already got something planned. Um, it's hard to... It's hard to imagine that these wildfires in Canada, and that's a whole other topic we can go to go into, but we don't have time. Um, but it's hard to believe that that's just a coincidence. And now that everybody is masking again. Yeah, I, I no longer believe in coincidences. Um, they Everything has just lined up too perfectly. I believe this was very well orchestrated. When, when you look at Dr. David Martin's work and um, also Karen Kingston, you know, there's absolute proof that this has been in the planning stages for a very long time. Uh, they've been, you know, developing, you know, COVID nineteen vaccines for a very long time. I mean, Operation Warp Speed was just a was a complete sham, and I, you know, I believe that President Trump got got bad information. I, I hope that's what it is. And um, yeah, there, there's there's lots of evil people, and the, and the pharmaceutical industry is, is just so dug in. I and mean, when you see what they do with their, um, you know, with with their lobby powers, etc., um, you know, most of these politicians are bought off and. I don't, I don't believe we're going to see a solution from government. We're going to see a solution from average citizens just like us. Exactly. And that's why, you know, with Remnant and with Nurse Freedom Network, we um, have established a private membership association, which in my opinion is the way forward. It's we have to, you know, let, as far as I'm concerned, this medical system, this corrupt sick care system that we have, as far as I'm concerned, we can let it burn to the ground, but we do need to build up something alongside of it that is going to provide true patient-centered care. It's going to allow nurses and healthcare workers, doctors, um, patients to thrive. And th But that's what we need to focus on. We can continue begging for change from this corrupt system. It's never coming. It's time to walk away. It's time to walk away and take our knowledge, our passion, and our skills with us. Yeah, well said. I couldn't agree more. Well, that is all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. You can also catch the Encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. Josh Yoder, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kimberly. Again, I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton, and you can find me here every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern as I hand off the baton to Nurse Michelle, because we are in a war for the truth. We are putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time.